This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes. Jeff Hawkins here. Hi, how's it going? Here with my stepdad, Chris Novembrino. Chris, real dad, came in for a spot on Tuesday. Yeah, I was on the road doing one of our many new Shake Them Ropes live events. We were in (laughs) Biloxi, Mississippi this week. I want to thank everyone, all of the great Shake Them Ropes fans who came out. It was great meeting you. Jeff was not able to make it, but uh, we had a very, very nice time. Were, were, you, were, you, were you opening for uh, for Dennis Miller at the, I think it's the Tunisian, or whatever the name of the casino is there? Yeah, so it was, the, the card was the Shake Them Ropes meet and greet, followed by Dennis Miller, followed by a puppet show. And, and let me tell you, the puppet show, quite good. Oh. Miller's work, eh. Oh, come on. Needs work. Uh, eh. Well, a lot of people talking this week. John Moxley being one of them. Get to that. Um, yeah, actually, we'll get to that now. Those longtime listeners of Shake Them Ropes probably didn't hear any kind of thing from John Moxley that we kind of haven't been hinting at, saying, etc., about the creative process in WWE, to be frank with you. I heard mention of prop comic, which is a common phrase bandied about on the Shake Them Ropes and also the wider Voices of Wrestling Network. I will, I will be the one to say I coined the phrase prop comic, Dean Ambrose, taking the victory lap as little as I might. I'm not, look, there's going to be a lot of victory laps this week by a lot of people. I just want to talk. I just want to talk a bit because when we were right in that Vince took the eccentric character of Dean Ambrose and thought it was wacky. That's why he got the props and stuff. You know, Vince's thing of uh, his exact phrase, and now I had to put the explicit tag on, I think, is, uh, this is good shit, pal. You know, when, when he's talking about these bad lines that Dean would have to say. Said here before, the showrunner sets the tone for the show. And that's why this is all Vince's voice, and it's why it's all Vince's fault, and it's why Dean really didn't bury the writers all that much. They were just doing their job to please Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon fancies himself an auteur of types. I've said before, Vince McMahon is the best promoter in the history of wrestling. His creative instincts are overblown because of the successes of guys he put the rocket on. He's a guy who got some success and thought his farts don't stink. He's in in modern day in modern day entertainment, it's a lot like Aaron Sorkin. All Aaron Sorkin characters are Aaron Sorkin. With these grandiose blah blah bliggity blah, you know, just writing to Oh, and to a certain extent, we're still playing the hits. So there's a little bit of trying to recreate that Stone Cold Steve Austin or the rock magic. Yeah, it's a little. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of things that can. Yeah, but but you're chasing the dragon a little bit on both of those. No, no, you're exactly correct. And also, you know, Dean says, hey, 
I, I, I'm not, you know, I've paid off my bills. I paid off my house. I paid off my mom's house. I paid off my truck. I really didn't want, want the money to stay there and be unhappy. I wanted to go and, you know, he's doing the whole art versus commerce argument. And it's funny because everybody's kind of looking at that and going, man, okay, it's great you're doing that. Not that money isn't important, but it's not as important because once you, once you've saved some money up, you know, yeah, if you set up your own passive income, you set up your investments, and you figure out what your price point is for the type of life that you want to live, and you've hit that price point, I mean, who am I to judge? You don't need to always do the thing for more money because you've made the amount of money that you want to make. Yeah, um, but the, but this kind of thing also happens in real Hollywood, and, and there's been a recent example of this. If you remember when um, when ABC came back with the shows that they had renewed... Um, there was a bit of controversy that, uh, that fresh off the boat, um, was going to be brought back for a sixth season. Uh, Constance Wu, the star of fresh off the boat had a bit of a meltdown on Twitter because she, she now fancies herself a bit of a movie star after uh, crazy rich Asians and that success. She wanted to do a few other projects, but right now fresh off the boat's a hit. They just got to 101 episodes after the fifth season, which is the money. Tr- the magic number. That's for the magic number for syndication, exactly. And this is going to be gravy. Constance Wu is going to be set for life, and she's acting petulant online as opposed to being happy for it. But you can also understand her frustration. It's a little bit of A and B. So this happens in real Hollywood too, where where you get a character or you get a show. And you've made a lot of money doing it because it's become successful. And then that's how you're pigeonholed and you're deathly afraid of it. Or you're stuck in a situation where you're never going to get to leave because too many other people rely on you. It's like, yeah, okay, I'll leave the this hit show. But if I leave, it's going to get canceled or whatever. And then you have all these writers and producers and other things out of a job. So, you know, it, it happens in real Hollywood, too. Chris has not yet listened to the episode, so we can't go really in-depth into it. But from uh, Twitter reactions and things like that, do you have any takeaways? We can discuss this uh, perhaps next week if you have time. Or, you know, we can just have a Twitter conversation and include all the fans. Well, here, let me ask you this. A take that I have heard is that this was pretty much very similar to the diagnostic that CM Punk gave several years back with less bitterness and more acceptance. Does that sound like a fairly decent synopsis of what you heard? In terms of creative, yes. In terms of the entire okay. company, not really. But in terms of Vince's creative instincts, yes. Everything. What, go- what about his dynamic with Roman Reigns? What did, what did you get from Moxley and Jericho when they talked about Roman? That he really didn't want to say any lines about making fun of his cancer and that they had forced him to. But I believe he ended up getting a toned down version because the original line he was going to say would have uh, ended up losing like Susan G. Komen as a sponsor. And then the heat would have been put on him. So so his thing is, is I mean, it sounds like his relationship with Roman, Roman was fine because he's the guy who goes, OK, I'm going to give my input. I'm going to try and change these stupid lines they're having me say. But if. But if Vince doesn't go for it, I'll just have to show up and do my job. If there was no animosity towards anybody on the roster about pushes or anything to that effect. 
my thing was, I think the leukemia line he was supposed to say was something to the effect of, um, I wish you had died in the womb. No, the, <laughs> oh, cool. thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, the I, Nikki, I the Nikki Bell line. No, I, my yes. thought was, uh, it's it's fitting you got cancer, or it's fitting you got leukemia because you've been a cancer on the WWE for years, or a cancer on the Shield for years. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. And but he was very uncomfortable using it um, in promos, but. You know, it was mostly straightforward because he, he read a little bit up top. It was one of those things where I have no ill will towards the WWE. They made me a star. They paid me a lot. I'm, I'm just frustrated with the creative process. Now, the part I kind of disagree with him on is his view on promos. I understand that guys should be able to be able to talk on their own, but I do think there is a place for Cre- guidance creatives to come in and help guide them i do I, and i don't think i don't think necessarily that comes from within the wrestling world i think you could have a couple of creative guys like there's a fine line between scripting every yes. line inside of a promo and just letting a wrestler rant and go that was pretty good got it and, and i think you know you can have someone in the room going yeah, I like that. Keep those lines. Let's go a little bit shorter and just a little bit more intense. And kind of framing it, letting the creative process mostly get generated by the wrestler, but editing them and paring them down so that you get a final product that's tight and punchy. Well, yeah, that that and that was his point was was more or less, you know, don't overly script me, you know, give me the idea and let me put it in my own words. Like for me, I, I I'd be saying if I were part of a wrestling company I'd, I'd be going okay what do you want to say about this feud first of all how do you feel i'd get them in their emotion i'd tweak it a bit i just let them rant in the voice i'd give a couple of suggestions if it wasn't good and, and it would be more of that collaborative process versus i need to write a i need to write a promo for d right, ambrose right. what's his character and what's his voice yeah, and then, you know, have Vince basically say, you know, basically Dean Ambrose's big pro- problem was uh there was a there was a uh, when he was doing the uh the gas mask gimmick about people who smell and stuff, there was some pooper scooper line in there that he just I don't want to do it and he did his best to get rid of it before Vince noticed it. <laughs> it was just, you know, it was very it, it confirmed all my cynicism about the creative process in WWE while at the same time not being snarky like punk but yeah, I, I mean, it sounds like the problems that we have identified in the problem areas that we have identified, which is my long way of saying Vince, um, it continues to just be this cloud that hangs over the television writing for this show. And and I think, you know, the disappointment and the frustration you hear in various tones from people leaving this company is that you have this company that has the opportunity and the resources to put on the best most well-produced wrestling that the world has ever seen and somehow manages to put on a really deeply mediocre product such that you have these other promotions like AEW or at various points Ring of Honor when they were kind of hot or TNA that are able to give WWE a run for their money when on just resources alone that should never be possible. They have the entire, they have a, a basically an entire movie company at their disposal. Yes, and right. they should be using it a bit better. 
in my opinion. And but that's <laughs> more than just like a bit better. I, I think it's like a lot better. I, I, I mean, really, it's kind of actually when you think about all of the resources they have available, it's kind of stunning how underused all of them are. Yeah, no. Uh, think about the way they misuse the network, or they underutilize the network, and they they make improvements and stuff. But I think you know we could get the entire Voices of Wrestling team here. We could get the Aaron's, and we could get Joe and Rich, and we could brainstorm like five solid ideas for improvement on the network and make the network a much more interesting and dynamic place that people would want to go regularly throughout the week. And then you can, of course, extend that to the way that they use superstars and main event. You could make those things that people actually want to see because they're kind of a different sort of product than Raw and SmackDown. I mean, there's just a whole novel way of conceiving each one of the products from each one of these brands instead of making it like eight hours of television that feels very samey. Yeah, no, what will be of interest to you, I think, in this especially is uh, the talk about the video, the teaser video that he did. Uh, for $8,000 in Los Angeles. Uh, I forget which wrestler it was, because uh, it was either Nick Mondo or Madman Pondo, and I can't remember which one it was that owns like a short film company. But no, they scripted it, storyboarded it. He did it, you know, on on his days off in the WWE. And also just his ability to not say anything and not show his hand is something spectacular. In, in wrestling, it's just like I never even opened up new contract. I just knew I wasn't going to re-sign it. But uh, well worth your listen, even if you're not a Talk is Jericho fan. And, and it is not my favorite podcast in the world. But but this one, was, this episode was quite, quite good. Chris, we have an NXT takeover this week. Um, and we had some pretty good shows, I thought, all, all three across the board. Yeah, I'm pumped for TakeOver. I'm pumped for these shows. We we actually did have some pretty good shows this week. Uh, which one would you like to start on here? You want to preview TakeOver or you want to talk about NXT UK and 205 Live? Let's do UK and 205 Live and end with our preview of TakeOver. We can we can go on into that. Um, I'm into it. Let's start with 205 Live then because that's the least connected to TakeOver. Allow me to rant for a second. I give you the floor. In addition to John Moxley running his mouth, Maria Canellis decided to go on Twitter this week and say, "Hey, only three more weeks left on our contract." Oh, good. They'll be boring somewhere else soon. I'm so thankful you said that. I'm already blocked by Mike Canellis, as we know. I'm going to say something here. Um, I, I don't think Mike Canellis is a bad wrestler. His match tonight was pretty darn good, I thought, against Brian Kendra. You can be good and boring, though. And Mike Kanellis is that to a T. Mike Kanellis' ceiling to me is a feud with Matt Taven over in Ring of Honor. Another guy who shows flashes of personality, but not the ability to sustain interest. Maria Kanellis, as you might recall a few years ago before they got to the WWE, was complaining that WWE wouldn't consider her because the Bellas were were blocking her from coming back. And then they finally came back, and they got stuck with this. Probably because... This gimmick sucks. I, I, I will give them this, which would be the first thing they'd probably bring up. This gimmick sucks, and they've never been allowed to explore it in any way, shape, or form. I'll tell you why they got this gimmick. I can almost see it. I could see Maria saying, yeah, I'll come into WWE, but you got to bring my husband. And that right there, okay, sure. But you got to do this as a gimmick. 
And it's a rib on Mike. Yeah. I mean, it's a you know, it's the the implied thing here is a little bit of a cucking thing. Like yeah. he has her last name. Yeah, somebody snitch tagged me when I said, Oh my god, they made him a cuck. And, and it was one of those things where snitch tagging I think got me blocked. But uh, yeah, and they never explored it, and then she got pregnant, and he I think he got injured, and they were off TV, and now they're on 205 Live. I'm going to tell you something. Even though he won, when they came out, I was watching Maria's performance, and I was like, can you at least put some effort into it? Because she looked like she didn't want to be there, and it wasn't that pro wrestling, I don't want to be there. It was the, I'm not even going to try type of acting. It was the Sasha Banks boo-boo face when she has to lose type of acting. And I was getting mad. I'm like, look, you, no offense, Maria. You are the star of this act. You are 37 years old. You have maybe one contract you can get out of any other wrestling company on aesthetics, shall I say, to, so I can be diplomatic and not get yelled at by people. And you are your husband's personality. At least in this present role. I mean, I think that she could certainly move into a managerial type of thing. Oh, she'd be fine doing that. I think she's yeah. she's fine as a performer. But, but yeah, I mean, but even, even out, then, you know, a, 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 in your 40s, being a wrestler is tough on the body. Go out trying. That's all I want. I, You know, I, I you know, if I watched that and I was a company and, and you know. Oh, yeah. Who's champing at the bit to hire Mike and Maria right. after this dynamic run in 205 Live? Exactly. It, it, there's a certain level of acting professionalism when you're on the way out, even if you hate it. Even if you're mad as hell at this company for wasting all those years, you still got to go out. But there. to your point, and, and, and I mean, not to you know put too fine of a point on it, you are right. With ages catching up with this act, Maria is not getting any younger, and Mike, during the process of this, came in with a head of hair and no longer has that head of hair. No, like yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, father time doesn't seem to be on their side. So certainly. Putting some effort into these performances, I think, would have been well advised. But so it is. I mean, it's their choice. And I think they're building him up to beat him in two weeks. That, that's my. Yeah, opinion. I think so. Yeah, I, I think. But this was a good right. match. I thought this is my. I mean, out of the performances I've watched of his since being in WWE, it's probably in the top two or three, in my opinion. Yeah, I. I mean, it's just not an exciting pairing. No. Um. I, although I, I will say I thought that I, Brian Kendrick's suplex. From the stairs, like from the top of this, that was a kind of a cool little spot. I you don't see that too often. That was a neat little kind of old schoolish style spot. Um. Then we had Gnome Dar versus Mike Karma in a fairly long squash match that I thought was kind of fun. I mean, you know, I was fine with this. Gnome Dar. I was. I was totally fine with this because Gnome Dar needs squash matches. To build him yeah, back up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and he is a good heel. I love that line of, Oklahoma sucks. <laughs> like, just ending the promo on that. Yes, I'm into that. That's great heel heat. You know, and, and mostly it's because my tastes are basic. I want these guys to be built and built and built until you have to beat them, as opposed to sending them out every week and doing, you know, 50-50 matches with other talent. And then, you know, then you got to heat them up at some point, and you can't. So I am fine with Noam Dar coming out, squashing local talent and cutting 
you know, cheap heat promos on the crowd. I'm good with that. that that's, that's a good role for him right now. And then we got to our main event, which was Umberto Carrillo versus Jack Gallagher. I liked this match. I thought this was a cool match. I, Jack Gallagher had the double duty special mm-hmm. this week, and I thought this was the stronger of his two outings. I would agree there, but I loved both of Jack Gallagher's outings this week. I absolutely adore. If they had kept Jack Gallagher any version of strong, as opposed to you know jumping off turnbuckles with umbrellas and crap like that, he might have been born again hardcore in this version. Shooter Jack Gallagher, you know, training with Seth Petrozelli at uh, in MMA down in Florida. And Jack he could Gallagher. have done some of the strong manny stuff that they weren't able to really do with Simon Gotch. They were kind yeah. of teasing around with with the vaude villains. You could have him doing the old school training regimen. But yeah, I, I like the idea of him as like a old school tough works out, does the kettlebells and the Hindu squats and all those sorts of things, and knows old school strong style or you know not yeah it's a little bit of a dandy character in that you know the the foppish british type of thing belies a certain toughness underneath but at at the same time i was like man i wish he had always had this edge i i i really you know i i like that kind of character i think that's a necessary character and then he never turned heel like like we thought he might after that because the promo indicated a turn which I thought would have just been dreadful for him after you know basically already turning against Gulak. He's in this weird intermezzo right now with the heel music still. Like I don't want him to go back to his old music, which was uh from Carmen. Yeah yeah there we go yeah yeah I don't want him to go back to that but um. I, I do want him to have something maybe a little more upbeat than the music that he's coming out to right now if he's going to be kind of working a new character. I really wish they hadn't given that edge to Umberto on that promo. I want him to be just pure baby. See, I like the competitive fire thing that too. they have. I, I I mean, I think they're going to end up being tag teams. This This show so desperately needs like an earnest tag team division. Um, because they just need some more structure for some of the undercard. I because think it was these... just the line, I'll be happy to beat you again, and the... And, yes. And the, um... It was a little cocky for you? It was a little cocky for me, as opposed to, well, I'll be happy to beat you again. You know, and you just kind of... And he just kind of walks off almost oblivious to the fact that he's insulted Jack in some way. That, that, that's all I want. I, I, just, I just want, you know, I want one pure baby face to root for. Yeah, no, I feel you. I, I think I still think Carrillo's still pretty pure baby face without being aw shucks. I, I I'm I'm not sure why he's not getting better responses when it. When I I'm not face. sure either. I think it's just this show is so dead as a brand yeah. right now, and, and when you're not in the hunt for the title, there's no excitement, and and then our champion Tony Nice is not exactly this dynamo. Um. What did you think of that weird little backstage segment with him and Drake Maverick and Tozawa where Tony Nese is trying to flex his stroke by being like, Drake, I want a title match against Tozawa. And then Maverick's like, yeah, I don't know. I'll think about it. I, you know, I, I thought Tony was okay here. I, I just this think is Drake better, Ma- Nice. I think yeah, Drake, Maverick's, Drake Maverick was the problem in this sketch because it's, it's obvious that 
I, I saw this punchline coming a mile away, and I hated it then, too, when he goes, I've had so much on my plate of late. I'm going, they're going to do a 24-7 title reference here. And, th- and that angers me, because I don't want... I don't want raw SmackDown Drake Maverick on, on my 205 Live. I, we, we said this before. When he, be, when he became, when he was manager of the AOP, we thought it was ridiculous. This is the problem with the wildcard belt, is that it does have this tendency to just pop up, even on the wrestling uh, that I don't review. <laughs> Did you watch any of that? Um, I did watch a little of Raw and SmackDown. You know, my my new approach to it is I I need to keep up with it so we can do the pay-per-view reviews, right? But I put it on while I'm in bed, and I watch as much of it as I stay up for. Um, So in the case of Raw, I watched a bit of it. The memory is fleeting off the top of my head. And then then on SmackDown, I made it through the kind of no-reason Kofi- and Kevin Owens' match, the promo from Kevin Owens kind of hurt my head. The match was okay between Kofi and uh, Kevin Owens, but I, I checked out after that. Anything good on Tuesday that I missed? Oh, no. God, there was, there, there was the most dreadful segment you've ever seen, I think, on, on that show. Or am, I mixing oh, that up, or am I mixing that up with Raw? I might be mixing it up with Raw right now. The electric chair? I did see the AEW electric oh, that chair. Was electric chair. Okay. Yes, that was yeah, I did see that. I did see that, and that Next was week, pretty dreadful. Lethal injection, the firing squad, the guillotine because he's French Canadian, and he's a punk rocker too. So we got to do Rocket to Russia, all of the Ramones. Okay. <laughs> oh, so that's two hundred five live going to uh, NXT UK Imperium. It's certainly a name. It is certainly a name. <laughs> I don't know, I, but I like this stable. I, 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 I Oh, I, yeah, right. It's uh, The name you could kind of get over. I will say that I had no problem with British Strong Style coming out. I actually enjoyed every bit of that, except for the fact that they came out right as we were getting the name debut and the name unveiling, and it would have been good to let that soak in for, I don't know, 10 seconds, get some booze, and then out comes British Strong Style. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You got Because I didn't understand what he said at first. I was like, what? Did he say Imperial? It was really fast. Yeah, yeah. like there, was, there, there could have been just a moment more. Now, Chris, count me as a complainer about the way this segment went off the air. That's... Oh no 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 no! That's that. I count you as a rational man then, because that was absolutely horrid. You fake a cameraman going down and his camera going out as an excuse, and then you for life. explain it as it shorted out the entire show. Boy, I hope they shore that up before takeover this weekend. Really, because that cameraman on the other side that you could see through the color bars seemed to be getting all the action, as did probably the boom cam. The other camera on the other side of the ring, because they always have three, I think, at once. Yeah, don't, don't. It's a terrible structural flaw oh. in the way these cameras are all wired together. They're it's like Christmas lights if thought. one of them I'll, goes out. I'll give them credit. It's an out-of-the-box thought. It just, the execution was hokey. Like Godzilla from the 1950s hokey. It was worse than that, because they went to the color bars... And the color test bars make no sense in that context. Exactly. Because the color test bars come up when everything's off the air. And instead, they were bleeding it with the action in the ring. 
It was just, it was just absolutely ridiculous. Find a way out, guys. Find, and then it's all just all of a sudden it's like, oh, nobody ever got any tape of the of the fallout from this fight. We're just gonna move on with our lives. I know, just have refs and maybe the backstage area come out to separate these two, and you go, we're going to go to a break, and we're going to reset everything, and we'll be right back. Yeah. Classic old-school wrestling, like mm-hmm. which is what they were doing here, and I was all over this angle. Like, British Strong Style comes out, Imperium standing strong, they're like, let's fight. I'm like, yes, let's fight. And then they start fighting, and then we get into the silliness at the tail end of it in an otherwise very good segment preposterous absolutely preposterous and then after that we had gallus mark coffee and wolfgang beating up team white wolf also known as a kid and carlos romo and you know this, this was fine i thought wolfgang was doing a little interesting bit of characterization here as though yeah the loss from last week is bothering him. I'm fine with this. I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm into this. I'm I'm into this. I'm into. I'm into the dynamic of Gallus with um. With this the gave other... Mark a little something to work with here Mark too. Coffee, Mark being the smart kind of level-headed one. Mark being the always level-headed one. I like that. I like that in a in a criminal enterprise. You have the lieutenant being the level-headed one while your boss. Is is a bit of a blowhard, and you have this psychotic enforcer. You need the brains of the operation. I like that Mark Coffey's the 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 brains of this operation. I liked Wolfgang showing a little personality. I'm still of the opinion that the Coffee Brothers are going to put Wolfgang down eventually and replace yes. him because they can't control him. And if this is the start of that, it's a nice little start, I think. Here's where I think it might get interesting. I think after the British Strong Style feud, we might be building to a Gallus face turn for them to feud with Imperium. Okay. And then and then that's where I think Wolfgang becomes the weak link. Um, I know that's kind of a double bank shot here, but but I, I, I see these teases of Gallus as a face unit at some point here. Well, I think that's just the Scottish crowd. I, I, I think that, that, I mean, we're still in... Scotland and they're still going along with it. Um I got to admit when I saw who they were going against, I was a little disappointed because I thought that Titan Tron was for the hunt. Oh, well that would have been awesome. Was, well, they they show the the animal. I was like, "The hunt?" It was like, "No, a kid and who's the other guy?" Uh Carlos Romo. Carlos Romo. Yes, they are Team White Wolf. That is their name. Nice little squash. Again, I'm all for squashes. Totally fine with that. We had Radzi interviewing Zaya Brookside. Isla Dawn walks up and offers to team with Zaya Brookside against Ginny and Jazzy Gabbard. I don't think this is going to go well for Zaya and Isla. I don't think so either. I don't think um I think Zaya Brookside is going to become UK Bailey. I think everybody's gonna end up turning on her. And I think yeah. I think Isla yeah. Dawn's going to as well. But I like this segment. Although the <laughs> the thing that always trips me out is every interview, the person being interviewed has to refer to Radzi. It's like, well, you know Radzi. <laughs> every time. Even when it's like a gaggle of reporters and it's Radzi asking the question. We gotta name drop Radzi in there. Um <laughs> I, I but I liked this for what it was. I liked the I liked the staging of it. I liked Isla Dawn kind of coming out of the locker room 
in the background as if she heard Zaya in the hallway. It, it felt it felt a little bit more organic than most of these dumb things. I finally figured out what it is with Joseph Connors. Joseph Connors needs to grow out a definitive facial hair feature. And I think he is a good candidate for like a strong mutton chops mustache combination. Like or, a Lemmy type thing? Yeah, right? I, I could totally see him doing a little bit of a Lemmy type thing. Hmm. And I think that's what Joseph Connors needs to do. I I think Joseph Connors' problem is he's he's a big guy, but he's not the biggest guy. So he's always going to have that issue. Defining facial hair. <laughs> I think the mullet's a little Jeff, ridiculous. I I mean the I mean, you're saying he should get the mole or you should you're the saying mullet, he should, I said. I the said mullet. The mullet's ridiculous. Does he have a mullet now? He's trying to. Oh. I thought he had long hair. Well, it's it's looks like a mullet though on him. Oh. Well then he shouldn't have that, because no one should have a mullet. Oh, I, I think mean, everybody should have a mullet. <laughs> I don't we don't have time for this right now. I, I can't I can't do this. Cassius Ono faces off with Jack Gallagher in a really fun match. I enjoyed this match a lot, and this was like a very fresh pairing. I like Cassius Ono as this dickish, prickish character. Jack Gallagher was very over and I was fine with this win. This is actually pretty close to the way that we predicted this match would go. There'd be some sort of banana peelish way for Cassius Ono to get the win. And that's what occurred. I was very surprised and pleasantly so at the amount of offense Jack Gallagher was getting on Chris. I'm going to call him Chris Hero. Cassius Ono. Um, these matches fit a well, pattern. Well, I think this is going to go, you know, a couple of matches. These matches fit a pattern, though. You know, we're going to have this technical wrestling match. The match never starts until the heel decides to punch the guy in the face. And that was the story of this match. Oh, we're doing this British tribute match until Cassius Owner decides the hell with this. I'm going to punch him in the face. Boom. Um, I thought the blood helped Jack Gallagher quite a bit. Um, you know, he was obviously concerned about, but it made that kind of underdog toughness come out and that's what i was really liking about this match quite a bit um, when gallagher bleeds it works well for him particularly because he has that headbutt in his offense so yeah. it yeah i mean you know even when the blood is utterly unrelated to him doing a headbutt spot and, he and he's so pale yes right see it, right which is great it works really good for him. Yeah, I'm not saying I want this guy to bleed all the time or anything like that, but just he is one of the people who is a strong beneficiary from occasional color. And Ono right now is possibly my favorite Dick Heel character. The yeah, I like this everything. character a lot. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the expert wrestler. No, I'm into it. I, I I like this a lot, and I look forward to him getting cut down to size at some point here as well. Then we had Piper Niven interviewed. Um, she is building up to her match with Rhea Ripley. She's great. I thought she was charismatic as hell on this promo. I, I, I might have I, to go back and watch it a little bit closer. I, I don't look, really it, have it, a strong it, takeaway. Look, the scripting of it's going to be the scripting of it. It's like, well, she, I, I she, you know, oh, Rhea Ripley said this. Well, I came here to fight. It, it, you know, it's a basic, basic promo. But she the weird 
way that they do these things, like it's a paparazzi type deal, her being made up, having a big grin on her face like she was smiling, I I thought she came off really yes, great. Yes, there, there is something. She does have a very sort of like warm she has a shelly personality Winters vibe to her yeah almost. yeah she's got a vibe thing going yeah. absolutely yeah I, I i will give you that um that was something i did take away from it and then we got to our main event which was the women's championship match where tony storm faced off against nina samuels and this went you know the way that you and i predicted it would go it was going to be a good match but ultimately tony storm retained against nina samuels i would say good not great I didn't necessarily think these guys clicked super well. All, I do like Nina Samuels, though. I, I love this. She plays really a great character, and then once the wrestling starts, she's in a little bit of trouble. That was my takeaway. My other takeaway is that Tony Storm is rotting in NXT UK. It's time to bring her over to NXT or to Raw or to SmackDown. She's been on this roster for three years, almost. I think it's maybe two, maybe closer to two. Um, but she she has rock star presence. And while it's good for NXT UK, I, I need more bleeding. It is up. too small of a stage for her. I, I think that she'll be fine on a Raw or SmackDown if you make sure you give her a big rock and cool entrance. We need more crossover between NXT and NXT UK, I think. I think we need... We need more Mustache Mountain, British Strong Style, Imperium. I think we're at a point where Shayna Baszler and Tony Storm as a title versus title, or like not title versus title, but worlds collide sort of thing. I think that kind of match has some intrigue, right? Well, I want to see this UK brand grow somehow, and it feels like they're not. It feels like they're running in place and doing yes, these shows with, with talent that are much bigger than the territory, in my opinion. And we had the regime change with Walter, and that was great, but now we are kind of back into autopilot a little bit here. So, yeah, the, no, the, I, the I agree with you. The four-way will help. The four-way will help, and I liked yes. the uh, promo video for it. Yeah, I, I agree with you, though. Um, I, I think that there is time and a need for interaction with NXT. Let's talk about NXT TakeOver. Jeff Hawkins, get up that TakeOver card. And I let us it. talk about it. Okay. But we can talk the episode first because there are there are there are matches here that did not bleed into anything that will be going on in TakeOver. Sure thing, like Kushida versus Drew Gulak. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Liked the match. Does Kushida come off as a star to you? Nope. Does he come off as a very good hand who has very good matches with very good mid-card wrestlers. Yeah, he seems like he's going to be a real star on 205 Live one day. Which isn't saying much, because a real star on 205 Live is a guy who gets tepid applause. I I am baffled by this. I, I really am. I'm baffled by this, because... And they... this was a fine match. It's just... This guy clearly needs characterization. He needs sizzle. He needs con- yes. zip. The conditioning machine does not go for great matches. The conditioning machine goes for dominant performances and charisma. That's what the that's what the conditioning machine of professional wrestling and weekly television is supposed to do. And he's not. He's a guy who struggles against everybody, eventually pulls it out in the win, 
And he has a win streak that nobody cares about. Mia Yim and, uh, and Bianca Belair. I enjoyed the hell out of this match. It was yeah. hard hitting. It was smart. Nobody looked bad, even though Bianca Belair lost. No, this just elevated Mia Yim without dragging down Bianca Belair. Bianca stayed in place, and I think now what we have is a more complicated women's title picture. And and that's all that happened. Mia Yim just hopped into the conversation. It elevated Mia Yim and and Bianca Belair getting cooled down a little, which she should after after being in the title picture for a while. But she's had a couple of bites at the apple. But not so much so that you can't just heat her up again with a strong win. And that's what I really liked. I really liked that. Um, I would have been fine with either one of these winning. I thought it was going to be a double countout at first, which would have been very interesting to me as this feud must continue. I have no problem with double countouts in uh, programs. But this feud seems like it must continue now, too, because now Bianca is going to be very upset that she has been defeated yes. by Mia Yim. Um, what else happened on the NXT other than... We had the Forgotten Sons. How can you forget about them? Well, on, I man. thought there was something... Oh, the... Oh, um, well, there was something before... I I was trying to go in order, and I don't have that lineup in front of me. I thought you did, but... Um, um I want to go for... The, okay. I really liked the promo package with Tyler Breeze and... Velveteen and Velveteen Dream. Dream. Yes, yeah, I thought that was cool and very well done. Called back to some Tyler Breeze angles I had long forgotten. The super fan in NXT, which I believe was Allie. I'm not sure of that. It was either him was Summer Ray. I don't remember Bob. that at all. And Summer Ray, yeah, no, he was introduced and put with Summer Ray in a feud against, I believe, Dolph Ziggler. And uh, yeah, no, I had forgotten all about that pairing. But uh, no, there's some nice callbacks. Um, gonna be a very interesting match, I think. But I, that's a promo package done well kind of hide some of Velveteen Dream's faults in these types of things because he can be a little bit too over the top to be believable, but I really like this a lot. And then now we can go into Oni Lurk and Danny Birch and the Forgotten Sons. Yeah, okay, after you bury the Forgotten Sons once again with the Velveteen Dream. Let uh, me tell no, you I, something. They, they keep getting snubbed, Jeff. They keep getting snubbed, and this is why That's they're so said, ornery. I loved this beatdown of the Forgotten Sons. Every team in this four-way Beat the hell out of the Forgotten Sons. That's who you should be beating down. The rough and tough motorcycle gang. It made sense. I howled when <laughs> when the Street Profits came out and took out Jackson Riker. And then just to end it all with the with the undisputed, undisputed era, era. Yeah, that was very funny. Teaming them, going in there, beating them up, killing Riker with the ladder twice. Yes, more of this. This was a great great build-up for the ladder match i i adored it it's the my favorite ending of i of also this. think it's strong foreshadowing too I, I i think you know this this actually gives the forgotten sons a lot of reason to be ornery going forward here and kind of being on a quest of selfish destruction going the ahead which false i think note- they'll benefit from yeah, the only real false note for me was a little bit of the Lorkin Birch and the Street Profits, you know, just deciding to go Yeah, out. yeah, yeah, I know. I, I That just didn't quite hit it for me. But, no, I, I really did enjoy the Forgotten Sons kind of getting utterly obliterated here. 
Yeah, no, that was kind of... Like, <laughs> yes, kill them! <laughs> you're supposed to beat up the tough gang. Yes, especially if you're a weasel gang, like the Undisputed Era. You want to take out the tough gang. That said, Saturday night, Bridgeport, Connecticut, a city that Rob McCarron buried three times in his eight-minute rant. You know, it's funny. I'm going to be in Bridgeport... In four weeks here for the Shake Them Ropes meet and greet watch party. So uh, make sure you come out Tuesday night, Bridgeport, Connecticut, in four weeks. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if you're really visiting Connecticut or not. No, no. Yeah. I'm taking this on the road, man. I'm kind of like the Lee Marshall of Shake Them Ropes. Oh, I am going, I am hosting Shake Them Ropes parties all over the place now. Do not call me collect, even though you owe me a few butt dials after uh, after my incident in Minneapolis. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, I'll be giving you the road report from all of these different places each week. Let's do a prop bet before I go into this card. Two prop bets. One, over, under, on title ch- changes, the line is, let's make it 1.5. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Not including the tag team match. Okay, not including the tech. Well, yeah, obviously there's going to be a new champion. So, oh, we don't know that, Chris. The Viking Raiders could come in 20 minutes into the match and climb the ladder and take it. It's and true. Turn it into it's a true. Boombox. I actually have been calling for Brock Lesnar to come out and become NXT Tag Team Champions. <laughs> Let's just do this. I'm come on, guys. That too. So. I am going to take the under on that line then because I think they're going to feel like with the tag team titles in the mix here, they only need to change one belt. Okay. And that other, belt my, oh. is going to be the well, women's title, I guess. Ooh. Okay. You're calling your shot there. My other prop bet. How many will the Undisputed Era, how many members will be left at the end of the night? Will all four be intact? I am going to say yes. They are all going to be intact. This is going to be seeds planted for the breakup. Okay. But there's going to be, obviously, I think there's going to be a big angle going into that Adam Cole match at some point along the way there. We get into the card. First matchup, Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong. In a singles match, how do you see this one going? I think that Roderick Strong ends up losing to Matt Riddle. I don't think they want to beat Matt Riddle to Roderick Strong. Um, It would be interesting for Roddy to get a win here, especially with Adam Cole potentially taking an L later on in the night, but I don't think they do that. I think Matt Riddle wins here mostly to make up for his loss to Velveteen Dream. Um, I would not put it past them to have a show long story about the undisputed era and some way adam cole costs roderick strong the victory here Mm. setting things up for the championship match Mm. that said matt riddle will be winning this match and i don't even think it will be close uh well i think it'll be a good match because I think the, uh, these two will work. Yeah, yeah, it's together. Roderick Strong. They're not going to have Matt Riddle just to. Yeah, they're not going to have. They're not going to blitter him. Uh, Velveteen Dream versus Tyler Breeze for the NXT North American Championship. Chris, Dream. The, oh, go I, ahead. I think this one may change hands. Really? I think there's a chance. Well, I have it in. That my would be head. an interesting way to get Breezy back going. Well, it it serves two purposes. 
Because I think Johnny Gargano has to be going to 205 Live sooner than later. Or, but, because I think that, I think there may be a lot of call-ups for that 205 Live show, because it needs help. I think there may be a lot of people in here. I I could see Tyler Breeze getting this win to establish him in NXT, because he's been such a long-time veteran, because he's never won the big one. If that's the story on commentary, or because he never held a title in NXT, that could be it. I... You know, Velveteen Dream's still probably going to win this match, but if he loses, I see Velveteen Dream getting put into the NXT Championship title mix next next cycle and it not affecting him at all. But right now I'm going to go with Velveteen Dream to win this, but with a 40% chance that Tyler Breeze takes it. Yeah, I, I think that's about right. I mean, Tyler Breeze is a guy who I think could very easily be going over to 205 Live to give them some zip in life. Um, Breeze could actually have a nice little playground over there. No, no, uh, he's staying in NXT for now. Okay, well, then, yeah, I don't know. I still lean towards Velveteen Dream hanging on to the title here, but if Tyler Breeze won it, it wouldn't shock me, and it wouldn't be the worst way in the world to get him going again. I just don't think they want to get the belt off of Velveteen Dream this soon. Tag team match, ladder match for the NXT Tag Team Championship. Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch versus Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, a.k.a. the Street Profits, versus Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish of the Undisputed Era. Versus Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler of the Forgotten Sons. Chris, who wins? You won't be forgetting about them anymore, Jeff. Because after TakeOver, the Forgotten Sons are going to be your new tag team champions. Forgotten no more, baby. WWE main roster logic would say because the Forgotten Sons took the brunt of the beatdown in the go-home show... That you need to make them strong again, ergo, they win. I think any team that isn't named the Street Profits that wins these tag team titles, it is a failure. You have to put the belts on Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford now. Oh, they should do that. I, I mean, the the only reason I'm even saying the Forgotten Sons is the Forgotten Sons will be the vehicle for the Street Profits to overcome. I am kind of, you know, taking the approach of getting the hamburger tomorrow rather than the hamburger today. Yeah, but they've chased already. They've lost to the Street Profits before. They need the championship because they also lost to the Viking Raiders in this entire program to get this thing started. You can't have them chase and then win and be credible. But nobody could beat the Viking Raiders because the Viking Raiders are so good. I get that, but, but the Street Profits need the big win before losing it's it's just one of those things where they've lost enough they have to win this one i think jackson Riker plays some sort of role in this in that they tease him going up for the belts and the street profits take him down and and get him i hope that's the way they do it i wouldn't be surprised if the forgotten sons get this again that's the logic of the booking and then the Street Profits eventually overcome and be the Forgotten Sons for the tag team titles, and eh, it's not as cool. You need the pop here. I'm looking forward to this. Um, I think O'Reilly and Fish are going to be great in it. Lorkin and Birch will, will bump like hell. Um, I want to see what Montez Ford does off the top of a ladder, but... Uh, should be a fun match. Oh yeah, this is going to be a really good match. I'm or it's going to be an unmitigated car wreck. 
<laughs> yeah, but sometimes those are really fun too. Yeah. Uh, not not obviously if you're concerned about everybody's safety, but you know when you have a multi-man ladder match, you're, you're kind of trading in carnage. You're not trading in formal suplexes. Shayna Baszler defending her NXT Women's Championship against the Princess of the or was it the yeah Princess of the Sky Io Shirai. Shayna's gonna have. Thing one and thing two. Fight and play is Fight my and play. preferred Yo Shirai will have Candice LeRae out there at some point helping her, as promised, through the TV. Chris, is the reign of Shayna Baszler over? Yeah, I sort of like teased this earlier, but I, I don't know that I'm really committed to it. I feel like Shayna Baszler finds a way to hang on to this title yet again. And that there's some sort of wrinkle here with Candice LeRae as having Io Shirai's back. Io Shirai came into NXT as the world's best wrestler, male or female. She really should be going over here. She needs to be going over here. Yeah, she really point. should. No, no. I. She's on a knife's edge, and I don't know how many more losses she can take. So We've dealt with the Kyrie Sane story. I don't want that ported over to the Candice LeRae story where they're best friends and then there's tension or whatever. Although they probably will do that, but... They shouldn't because Io Shirai should get the belt here. Or I mean, the only way I'm kind of okay with this is if Io gets the belt here and then we get into the tension between Candice and Io and that's yeah, what we're um... building to next. Um, I'm but fine with I, that I, as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I there's too much. I don't like that fight play and Candice are all on the outside. I just want Io Shirai to get on with it and win this belt. I just want to, uh, you know what? I just want Shayna to have a really good match here, and I think she's improved enough to have a great match with Io Shirai without the how, how do we put this? The WWE izing of the story. Where we get distractions and this and that, and there's controversy and it's kind of faux. You know, I'm uh, I'm hesitant to say Yoshirai wins though. That's my problem because it feels like the 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 my guys keep division. saying Shayna. Yeah, right. If you pull Shayna from it, it's pulling the fuse from the fuse box here for this division right now. Because it feels like if they let Io win, it's going to be an automatic rematch and Shayna wins it back. That's what it feels like. Yeah, unless you're going to move Shayna onto the main roster. Yeah, um, but I'm going to say Io Shirai. I'm going to go with that. I think it's her time. I think her promos are a little rough, but they've gotten a lot better. Um, she's adorable. But, um, yeah, I, I think Io Shirai uh, will be your NXT Women's Champion. And then finally, Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Takeover, Johnny Gargano, the champion, taking on Adam Cole, baby, for the NXT Championship one fall. I wonder if they eventually add a stipulation to this during the match. Who knows? Um... Roderick Strong, always a possibility of coming in and getting retribution and making Adam Cole lose to Gargano. I feel like Adam Cole has some sort of ridiculous plan based on ridiculous expectations of the other members of the Undisputed mm -hmm. Era, which they fail, but the reason they fail is because Adam Cole has ridiculous expectations. I tend to think it was too soon to put this match together. 
I do. I, think I kind of agree. Things- I think that this could have waited one more takeover. This could have been Roddy here facing Gargano, even though they did that on TV. This could have been Kyle O'Reilly giving his shot to, to raise up, and you put Roddy in the tag match. They kind of wrote the themselves match. into a predicament, though, where they kind of had to hit this beat now because Cole is in this weird emotional state here where you can't really keep having these Johnny versus Bobby Fish, Johnny versus Roddy Strong matches anymore. So well, the story, the story I they get hit, why they're doing it. Yeah. The story they didn't hit hard enough. They they brought it up on promos, but they really needed to hit hit was Adam Cole wants a one fall match because he took the first fall from Johnny Gargano. And if it was just one fall, I'd be the champ right now. But you had two other falls to get on me before that. But if it had just been that first fall, I am good enough and skilled enough that I'm gonna take that from you and then I can take that they 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 glossed over it. Yes, that they the kind story. of got to the I pinned you clean as a sheet. And if that match, yeah, and, and they, they got there this week. But that's been overshadowed by the tensions inside of the Undisputed Era, which has yeah. been a little bit muddy because now the Undisputed Era is vying for the tag team titles. I mean, really, like if I was sequencing this takeover, and there is a little bit of a slapdash quality to this particular one, I would have sequenced this to be the, will this be the Undisputed Era's night? I'd have Roddy going for the North American title. I'd have the Undisputeds going for the tag team titles. I'd have Adam Cole going for the World Championship. And the entire 25th takeover would be built around Adam Cole sort of believing that he'd build up his legacy and the Undisputed Era's legacy and really cement their legacy in NXT by having them be ultra, ultra dominant during pay-per-view number 25. I actually thought that was going to be the theme of this show until I realized Roderick Strong is not going for a belt. Nope. (laughs) I know. Um, I I, I noticed that too. And I was like, wow, what a... What an opportunity missed for for takeovers that, you know, as they were recapping them, I'm sitting there going, most of these are really tightly wound, and it's really kind of disappointing that 25 is not as tightly wound as some of the other ones that they are celebrating as we're hitting this mile marker. Well, my opinion is that Cole should have been the reason for this rematch, the reason for his being, the reason for him being angry, the reason for all these screw-ups in the Undisputed Era is he is so focused on getting a non-stipulation, straight, one-fall wrestling match that everything else has gone by the wayside. And that should have been the story of this, and it would have been a much white-hotter feud versus this, where you still have you still have an odd characterization of Johnny Gargano going, and you have Adam Cole dealing with the interstable politics as opposed to... Yeah, remember to- at one point this is all Johnny's grand plan to destroy the Undisputed Era. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Adam Cole being the problem in the Undisputed Era by him being so driven that he's screwing up the rest of the guys within it. I have Gargano winning. I think I have Gargano winning as well. I, I don't think there's any point in putting the belt on Adam Cole at this point. Um, Unless Gargano was getting moved on. That's the yes. only reason. And, and you can tell a different type of Undisputed Era story that way. It does seem kind of weird to have the Undisputeds leaving this pay-per-view completely without belts. But I think there's a real possibility that that happens. Yeah. Um, but it'll be fun. It'll be a nice short show as opposed to six-hour shows. 
And uh, I will be over on Fightful after TakeOver for live hot takes with Sean Ross Sapp. Make sure you join me over there. It won't be quite as good as WrestleMania, but fortunately we have a WrestleMania quality event just next week. It will be as good as or better than WrestleMania, Chris. And you're going to have Undertaker on Raw and Goldberg on SmackDown. Mm. That means Kevin Owens is getting speared. That's what that means. The real shame is that we don't have that wonderful, wonderful mashup of The Undertaker and Goldberg's theme. So melodic. So well done. But we'll we'll talk everything Saudi next week, or at least I will. I don't think Chris will. No, I, I, will. <laughs> I, I won't be, but yeah, you, you will. Yes. Uh, you can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Rob McCarron who may be back next week on Tuesday with me talking Saudi Arabia at Rob Cass. Chris, where else? Oh, and you can sign up for our Patreon. We've had a number of Patreon subscribers this week to download the uh, AEW review. We thank you very much for all of that. Uh, that's patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Again, if I did not personally thank you, uh, consider this in absentia. I've had a hell of a week at the law firm, and I, I've just kind of been a bit behind. Shake them ropes, fans. Next Tuesday, I will be in Sioux Falls, so come out for the meet and greet. Don't worry about the government can be found at don'tworry.tv, on iTunes, and on Stitcher. My other show, the All in the Family podcast, uh, which is increasingly popular, and I'm very pleased about that. So please go and check it out. It's at theallinthefamilypodcast.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. So follow all those things, and I will see you at the meet and greet. Enjoy TakeOver, everybody.